Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are here to recap what was a pretty good win for the Titans against a not-so-good team. The Titans went into Jacksonville, beat them by multiple scores, but it was perhaps a bit of a suspicious win because a lot of the problems that plagued the Titans against the Jets a week before were still present. We'll get into that, of course. We will also spend a good part of our time today, perhaps more than we usually do looking ahead, previewing the Titans' upcoming matchup against arguably the best team in the AFC, the Buffalo Bills, who dismantled the Chiefs on Sunday night football. And the Titans will get the Bills on Monday night on ESPN in prime time. Lots of interesting things to talk about today, guys. Um, Let's start with this, though, because the Titans have made some interesting transactions as we're recording this on Tuesday. So Brett Kern goes on the COVID list. He hadn't played in a couple weeks anyway because of injury. So we will see more of Johnny Townsend over the ensuing weeks. But here are the interesting moves. Uh, offensive lineman Ty Sambrilo retiring, or, or at least being moved to uh, reserve retired. So uh, we will see if we learn more about why exactly that happened. Um, also, per Mike Kliss, a well-known Denver Broncos beat reporter, uh, the Titans are bringing back a familiar face, a relic from the Mike Malarkey era, as I put on Twitter, Avery Williamson. So let, let, let's just pick those two apart, guys. Let's start with Sam Brilo and, and the offensive line. What do we glean from, from this and what this does to the Titans' future up front? Uh, not much because he really wasn't playing a part uh, on the offensive line this season. Uh, he lost out on the starting job with Quesenberry. Uh, and really only seemed to be a backup option as Ray Dunce would develop. So I don't think this really changes uh, the Titans' plans all too much. Uh, unless Questenberry gets injured, uh, then I think Ray Dunce will have to, you know, be seasoned enough to to, to go in there and, and perform admirably. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, this was kind of weird. This was like a sudden retirement Uh we know he dealt with an injury last year, and I think he was coming 
Uh, he was dealing with an injury as he was coming into this season, uh, and that might have played a part in uh, in the competition with Quesenberry at right tackle uh, and with Kendall Lamb, who is just not good. Um, so, yeah, not really too much of a big deal for the Titans, I would say. I don't think Quesenberry has played all that well, um, but he hasn't been, well, I mean, he's been a disaster at times, but... I can't say for sure that some Brylo uh, would have been that much better. So uh, I don't know if this really affects the Titans going forward. Yeah, like I, I always thought he and Questenberry were sort of redundant. Um, it, it, it sucks because I did like some Brylo and um, I enjoyed watching him play. I thought he was very good, uh, but it was always kind of a weird thing to have four backup offensive tackles on the roster. And I think a lot of that could was sort of the product of having so many injuries in camp and never really getting a chance to see all your offensive linemen together. But the situation never really resolved itself. So, I mean, this is more of what rosters usually look like around the NFL in terms of like backup tackles. You usually get two tackles that start one that's a swing you know maybe one that's a utility guy depending on if you ever use them as tight ends and then you get one or two guys who are your Corey Levins or your Aaron Brewer like inside linemen but I I don't know like the, it, it sort of came out of nowhere so it feels strange but in terms of what it does to the team immediately I guess they'll probably have to use Kendall Lamb more as the jumbo tight end which they did last week and long term I mean you would assume that after this year, the plan wasn't to have Questenberry or Sembrello on the roster anyway. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like maybe this will be something that convinces them to move Raidens to tackle instead of messing around trying to make guard and trying to be too cute, which just is the weirdest thing in the world. I do want to continue this conversation because I think it's really important. But first, Will, I believe you have some words from our friends at Manscaped. Yeah. Okay. So it's Halloween season. E- everybody is going to go out as something other than a caveman. I'm assuming. So <laughs> I, that's why you need our friends at Manscaped. Are you going to be? Are you going to say like, you know, it's really spooky? <laughs> you know, it's really spooky. Body <laughs> hair. Am I right, guys? That's why you need the lawnmower 4.0. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I- I've said it before. I'll say it again. There's no reason to have excessive hair. You know. Hair in your nostrils, which is a problem of mine. The perfect thing is the weed whacker. You know, I, I don't want to go through the spiel again because, like I say, it always sounds scary, but it's got a 9,000 RPM motor, 360 degree rotary dual blade system, and that's great. Like, it's exactly what you want if you're cutting your, like, if you've ever tried to use something other than a manscaped weed whacker to cut your nose hair, you understand what a problem that is. And then, like I said, the, the main product, the, Rolls Royce of this whole thing is the lawnmower 4.0, a a much calmer 7,000 RPM motor. And, you know, it's waterproof, you know, it's got a travel lock, so you don't have to worry about it tearing up your clothes or, you know, you can use it in the shower wherever you want to need to get that done. You know, the skin safe technology keeps you safe. So please, for everybody's sake, so they don't have to look at you looking scruffy and, you know, at at these Titans games with hair poking at your shirt and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to deal with that. Nobody else does it. Do it for yourself, you know, just self-respect because, you know, it's the 21st century. Don't be a hairy monster caveman unless that's what you're going for for Halloween. And then 
still don't do it because it's still gross. Uh, yeah, so you know, join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscape and go to manscape.com. I'm 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 not going to read it for you. You know how to spell it. Uh, and then use our code FANSIDED20, and you'll get 20 for, 20% off. I almost said 25% off. I mean, it, it's it's a good code. It's not that good of a code. Uh, and you'll get free shipping with that, too. So go ahead and get the Lawnmower 4.0, the Performance Package, the Weed Whacker, all of it. Save yourself some money and thank me later. Yeah, I, I was going to mention that because I think that the, the biggest implication of this is for one Dylan Radins. Uh, offensive line coach Keith Carter, when he was talking to the media on Tuesday, said that an opportunity was coming for Dylan Radins. And I read that, I'm like, what in the world does that mean? And ter- turns out it meant that Ty Sambrilo was going to retire. So Dylan Radins is no longer healthy scratch at this point. He has worked his way up to a very deep depth active player. So exactly what you want from a second round draft pick. I get a sense of sarcasm all the way from here in Miami. Um. <laughs> so, well, well, I, I do want to get your take on this because we, we sort of uh, playfully and and with with a lot of coyness go back and forth on John Robinson. I, I like John Robinson. I think he's a, one of the better general managers in the league. But I don't. Why do you think Raidens is good? Because I I don't necessarily think he's bad. I just don't know why if he's good, he has been relegated to such a position. I mean, this is what Vrabel does, right? Like, it, and I, I, think, I, I, I think there's something to that. Yeah, I wrote about this today. So um, the Titans have almost always been, in terms of like rookie contributors, like they almost never have anything the first part of the season. In 2019, they had 251 snaps through the first four games. 2020, they had 276 snaps. And that doesn't speak to the talent of those classes because that turned into eight starters, which is A.J. Brown, Jeffrey Simmons, Nate Davis, Chris Jackson, Christian Fulton, Tier Tart, Amani Hooker, and David Long. So snap count does not indicate anything. Like Mike Vrabel decided to start Jonathan Joseph over Christian Fulton last year in week one and doubled down on that decision as many times as he possibly could. So that's, you know, a bad job by him. He played Matt Dickerson over Tier Tart last year. He played uh, Jamil Douglas over Nate Davis. Like, I mean, he even gave Tajay Sharp more starts or more starting snaps at wide receiver than AJ Brown for the first four weeks. So, don't don't view snap count and how active uh, guys are early as any judge of their talent because Vrabel just doesn't he doesn't like playing rookies. He doesn't think they've earned it. He wants every veteran to have the chance to completely fail and cost the team a game before he puts somebody in. Like, it, it's got nothing to do with the player. Like, we we saw Raidens in the preseason, and we've talked about this before. Like, I know y'all have gone back and poured over the preseason tapes, but I'll I'll, I'll go over it again. You know, he had a bad quarter or two, and that that was against Joe Tryon. He's got he's got a hyphenated name now that he didn't have coming out of the draft. So I don't I'm not familiar with it but it was that stretch and then really every other snap he took it tackle was good you know when he was in two minute drill against you know one of the best young pass rushers in the league he struggled which i mean that's fine like we saw taylor lewan do that week one and he's bounced back pretty well from that so i don't know like i I think 
there's this weird fascination like and I think you have it too where it's just like well if he's a good second round pick he would play and for most teams that's true but most teams don't have Mike Vrabel and that's sort of the big flaw with the Titans on a macro level and in this specific situation Matthias what do you think uh, yeah, Mike Vrabel hates rookies. Um, and I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but we kind of saw that in the press conference with, uh, Caleb Farley and, mm-hmm. and some of the flags he had. Um, so I don't know, maybe Radens is okay. I mean, he didn't look too great in the preseason, but I don't want to take too much stock in the preseason really. Um, because it lies. I mean, Zach Wilson looked like a great quarterback in the preseason and then first three weeks he was like the worst quarterback in the league. So I don't want to take too much stock in the preseason, especially with rookies. I, I don't know if it's a great, you know, barometer of, of how they will play uh, in real NFL action. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just have the, that president with Mike Rabel and rookies um, except every year, it seems he at least likes one of the rookies. So he kind of likes Elijah Molden enough to play him a good amount this year. And, and last year was Chris Jackson, uh, which was interesting because he was a seventh round pick. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't really know what to think. I, I think Ray Dunce is going to get his opportunity. I, I think he's going to get it this season, e- even though according to PFF, David Quesenberry has been a great tackle this year. I don't think a lot of people believe that. I haven't seen it with my eyes. Um, and, and I think Radens just gives them a little bit more of a ceiling uh, in, in terms of his athleticism. So we'll see. I, I think he's going to get get an opportunity by the end of this year. I, I really think it's a chicken and the egg type of thing to sit here and say, well, is Mike Vrabel just afraid to play rookies or, or refuses to play rookies or whatever verb you want to put there versus – is John Robinson just not drafting very good players? I think it's probably some of both, honestly, because this is sort of a theme, at least over the last two years. Like, you go back last year, even before Panda became Panda, he wasn't going to play uh, and and really never played an active role even when he was active and, and healthy. And Darrington Evans was healthy down the stretch last year. They didn't let him do anything. It was always the the McNichol show. And, he, and fast forward to this year, and and it's more of the same. Elijah Molden, like you said, Matias is really the only rookie that's doing anything for them. Racy McMath played some offensive snaps against uh, the Jets with the receiver injuries, but this is uh, – it, it's becoming a pattern. And I, and I went back and, and looked at some of the past draft classes to see – Sort of has this always been a pattern, and I think maybe the one exception year was 2019 because A.J. Brown and Jeffrey Simmons both played significant roles as soon as they were available as rookies. But you go back even a year before that in 2018, and the top two draft picks, Rashawn Evans and Harold Landry, uh, weren't really asked to do anything. Landry was playing behind Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan, who struggled. And so, but but yet he never still really got an opportunity. Now, he may have been hurt. I honestly can't remember. But uh, Rashawn Evans was a backup for a lot of that season and, and didn't get thrust into action until like week 10. Yeah, so you're saying it's Vrabel's fault, right? 
Well, is Rashawn Evans a good player, Will? He was when he was with Dean Pease before mm. Vrabel threw a hissy yeah. fit. I mean, uh, yeah. like, the, the, pro- the problem is, like, it's a moving target. Like, Vrabel cannot keep, uh, I mean, he can't keep his hands off stuff. So, on offense, his guys leave because they're good and, you know, they're, they're quality hires that seem to understand the job and then... I, I think Arthur Smith will get it together and Atlanta will be okay. Like they saw much talent. LaFleur has been good. Like I think on defense, even if he w- were to hire a good defensive coordinator, he, like he did with Dean Pease, he is not able to stay out of their business long enough for them to stay. Wesley Woodyard said as much. I mean, Wesley Woodyard said that at the end of the year, it was not Dean Pease calling the plays. It, Dean Pease wanted to come back to Tennessee. Like, I mean, I, I would assume he was on the radio every week. He came to Titans games last year. Like, I, I, if he was going to get back in the league, I would assume the Tennessee would would have been somewhere involved in that. But, it, you know, he ended up in Atlanta with Arthur Smith, which is fine. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, he – when the defense doesn't work, it's the players. When the defense works – he wants to have his hands in it because he wants to be credited and he wants to feel like he's a part of something that's helping the team. Like, I I, I don't know. Like, Vrabel, you know, is is cool or whatever, and he's a motivator and all that, and the guys like him. That's fine. But in terms of, like, this, it's hard because he doesn't play rookies. Then when the veterans are bad, he uses the, the rookies as a shield. And, you know, next year they do good. Like, there's no reason Harold Landry should have been behind uh, the ghosts of Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan. Like, they were they were cooked, cooked, cooked that last year. And you could tell the clear difference in speed when Harold Landry came in. Like, I mean, he was by far their best edge rusher. So much so that, like, the only chance they had to get a sack was when he was on the field. Because I don't think either one of those guys got a sack there last year. Maybe yeah. Arakpo got one. <laughs> From what I remember, because this was my first year with A to Z, and so it, it sticks out maybe a little clearer than some other previous seasons, um, is it was Arakpo Morgan. And that's why I made the injury comment, because I I remember at the end of that season, everyone saying they got to get a pass rusher, got to get a pass rusher. And I, we, I don't remember like where Landry figured into that. Like, why? Well, the, the thing is, is Landry injured his ankle the first week of the season. And then I think he was active every other game and he was the backup. But I think the problem was, I, I, rem- I just, every- I remember in the back of my mind, that sack against the Eagles against Lane Johnson. Yeah. I mean, and he had a couple of them like the, but the thing was, is people weren't sure because Vrabel used him like a pure third down edge rusher, like a designated pass rusher that people didn't think that he would be able to hold up. And he was just a rotational player. We obviously know that's not true now, but the the problem is that Vrabel doesn't use these guys correctly. Like he's given the tools and then he doesn't use them. And then he waits a year. And by then the defensive coordinator, if they're still there is sick of him. And it, it just like, it, th- this is the problem. Like, it, I mean, I, I told you like Jamil Douglas should not have started over Nate Davis period. Like it took three allowing three sacks to Calais Campbell and one of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen for him to like flirt with being on the bench. Like, Tajay Sharp, I like Tajay Sharp, but to start him over A.J. Brown for the first four games of the season when A.J. Brown had 100 Whoa, yards in his opening game. did that game, happen? Because A.J. Yeah, Brown yeah, had a 100-yard receiving game in week one. Yeah. Yep. He he was out-snapped, I believe, 2-1, to one, and Tajay Sharp started the game. So so like, this is a Vrabel thing. 
Yeah, it's what I just because yeah, I didn't remember that. And now, now that you mentioned that, that's the damning stat right there. Tajay yeah, Sharp just, had no business ever being ahead of AJ Brown. Well, and look at Christian Fulton. Look how well he's done this year. And they started Jonathan Joseph over Joseph over him. Well, it was such a he was like, hurt last year, and I recall him starting yes. against Jacksonville because he had a pick. No, but he started in the yeah. slot. Like yes, they would, they wouldn't let him shit. play. Would, yeah, who else were they going to put in the slot though? Chris Jackson, the starting slot corner now. Hey, like, you're going to put a seventh round draft pick out there? They're doing it now. They did it anyway. He played well, had, like, so that week. We're getting on a rabbit trail here. That week well, one Denver on. game. Go ahead, Will. They they played Chris Jackson more snaps than they played Fulton in the Denver game. Yes. They love this. Him. Is this is a Vrabel thing? He does not understand what he's doing. It, it it is it is a big problem. Like he favors veterans. He was doing everything he possibly could to keep Jonathan Joseph out there because he's a buddy of his. Like this is one hundred percent a Vrabel thing. Yeah. It, so it, it, with yeah, other players, ahead. like even we could talk about Matt Dickerson if we want. Like Murchison probably should have been playing over him. Dickerson was awful. Um, Tart should have been playing. By the end, he did. Uh, but Matt Dickerson was simply getting way too many snaps and he wasn't doing anything when he had a couple of young guys who this year have been have been great. Tyre Tart has been great. Uh, Murchison has looked like a really solid defensive tackle. Um, so these things have happened. And even like uh, it, we went back to that 2019 uh, draft class, like we talked about Nate Davis and Jameel Douglas. Uh, I know Kenny Vaccaro was playing well, but Imani Hooker like, Probably should have been playing more because every time he played, he was making uh, a real impact. Uh, and then that same draft class, David Long, David Long should have been playing way more than he was. Finally, he's mm-hmm. been getting the opportunity now. Um, but I mean, it, it just it's a thing. It, it's definitely a thing. But I don't want to say it's all Vrabel's fault because I do think John Robinson has made some. I don't know, mistakes, but maybe he should have drafted differently, it, it, at least in these past uh, two drafts, but overall, we're, I know we're not doing the John Robinson thing, but overall as a whole, he has been a, a pretty good drafter. We'll have that yeah, discussion like, in uh, March. I'm but. sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll rehash this again, and you'll say, well, they only got this many plays, and I'll say, well, the the reason that is is because Brable doesn't start rookies, and so it's like, he only had this many, like, we'll, we'll do it in yeah. March. I'm just trying to give everybody a preview. Avery Williamson, guys, he's back, as I said earlier, according to Mike Kliss. And by the time this podcast has come out, it's probably been confirmed and he's probably perhaps practiced already. Um, what, what do we make of this? Is this an indictment of Rashawn Evans, who uh, is not good? <laughs> like, we talked about it mm-hmm. last week. And, and by the way, this week is the first episode of No Nonsense without the Rashawn Evans intro, if you didn't, you didn't right. notice that. We had we had to we had to move on from that. Um, Rashawn can't diagnose the run. I asked Frable about it on Monday. He deflected and said, "Well, we all got to be better." Yeah, but he needs to be more better than anyone else. So is Rash- is Avery Williamson the savior here? Or is he coming in and starting? What do we think's happening there? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in and starts right away, just because Rashawn Evans has been that bad and Jayon Brown is currently on IR. Um it's interesting. I don't know because Vrabel wasn't the coach when when right, was he? No, that was Mike Malarkey's last year. 
when when Avery Williamson was still on the team uh, before he left to the Jets. Look, I we have talked ad nauseum about Avery Williamson on the Titan Size podcast. Uh, we just didn't like him, but the reason we didn't like him was because he couldn't cover anyone. He could not cover a running back. He couldn't cover a tight end. Uh, and, and the the worst was if they would ever put a slot receiver on him. That that was a disaster uh, all around. And, and it was really annoying because they just kept putting him in situations that he clearly wasn't good at, um, which is kind of happening with Rashawn Evans. But that's because Rashawn Evans is just bad at everything. But the thing I'll say about Avery Williamson is is he's a solid run defender. People will say he he's an elite run defender. I, I've heard that thrown around. I think that's way too generous but he does his job and he tackles people when they have to be tackled uh and i think that's more than we could say about rashawn evans in his current state uh i don't know if the coaching staff sees it that way it seems like they've gone out of their way to play rashawn evans and to defend him whenever you know the media will will ask about why he's still playing or, or, or when he makes a mistake or something like that so I don't think they'll completely phase Rashawn Evans out, um, but I hope they do because they really it cannot get any worse. Yeah, I mean, it it's it sounds like a jinx to say, but it's like yeah, it can't get worse. Like, not only is he not making tackles, he's not running to the right spot, and he's blocking other people from making tackles. Like. You know, I guess the one thing about Avery Williamson, it was I'm going to go back and watch probably every game he played with the Steelers, and I'll do that tomorrow just just to get a better feel of it. But I mean, the one thing I remember is that he was aggressive in run defense. It was if you were between the tackles, he could handle that, and he was at the very least going to bring you to the ground if he was the second guy there. Like he wasn't just going to stand and watch; he would make plays. I think he has like four sa- four seasons with three or like sacks which is wild because that's not the player i remember him being at all but may- maybe i'm just remembering the negatives like the chiefs game has me shook where he just could not cover a young travis kelsey over and over and over again and you know maybe that's not fair maybe travis kelsey was so good and we just didn't know at the time but I- at the end of the day i think if you ask him to cover you're making a mistake but the titans seem you know, more than willing to have a sub package where it's dime and you've got, you know, Elijah Molden playing the off ball linebacker spot next to David Long or Jayon Brown or to use guys like Jayon Brown and David Long on passing situations. So, I, I mean, you could tell this team was grasping at straws because. And I criticized it during the game when they moved Harold Landry out to cover the tight end in space and used Rashawn Evans as the edge because they knew he was going to get cooked. So they had to put him somewhere on the field, but they figured maybe Harold Landry could just be superhuman and, you know, do something that he absolutely shouldn't be doing and just play man coverage against a receiving tight end. But you know, they, they, they've clearly been trying to find a place for him on this roster for, I mean, ever since Dean Pease left, and they just have not been able to to figure him out or to get him to play the way they want him to play. The the Evans decline has been strange because I remember in 2020 we did like a you know who's going to be the MVP and who's going to be the breakout player and Rashawn Evans was my breakout player before last year. I thought he had a a real shot to to be a really really good linebacker still, and then he just started regressing and. 
I was talking to Teron Davenport about this after Vrabel's press conference on Monday. Uh, just has no feel for the game. Whereas you see David Long is very instinctive and knows where to go. With Evans, it's a lot of guesswork. Um, something that's, that's, I guess, cool when you've covered a team for several years is you can go back and look at your old opinions. And as you guys were talking, I pulled up two pieces that I wrote in the spring of 2018 for A to Z about Avery Williamson needing to go and Rashawn Evans coming in. And I wrote this one piece where I'm saying, you know, Titans fans will remember C.J. Fedorowicz and Jack Doyle having field days, and things got even worse when it came to the Travis Kelseys and Rob Gronkowskis of the world. And then I, I look at what I wrote during the draft, which is that Evans is sort of the quintessential Mike Vrabel player. He's fast, aggressive, he's a thumper, he can play multiple positions, and it just didn't work out. And, and I think it is interesting and poetic in a way that, what, it's 2021, a little over three years ago, the three of us are sitting there talking about, man, Rashawn Evans is is the replacement to Avery Williamson, and this had to happen, and isn't it a good thing that the Titans went out and did this, and now four years later we're saying, isn't it a good thing they brought Williamson back because, boy, does Evan stink. Crazy how uh, time works and how football works. Um, it's it's been, it's been interesting, to say the least, this decline. Because, I mean, well, 2019, Rashawn Evans was legitimately a good to above average linebacker and it seemed like his direct like his his arrow was pointing all the way up but i mean for whatever reason and i think uh, a big reason for it was the change in defensive coordinator i mean we saw it with a lot of players a lot of players really regressed after dean peace left um and i guess rashawn evans just could never recover from that and i don't know but they can't keep putting him out on the field because he's one, he's not making plays, and two, he's allowing plays to be made uh, on him, like the James Robinson long run uh, that's kind of gone viral on Twitter, just because Rashawn Evans is is going is going nowhere and just completely leaving his gap. Um, and it's plays like that that have happened way too often. Um, and the thing that we thought Rashawn Evans would be an upgrade over Avery Williamson on. Uh, in which he was, at least in uh, 2019, uh, as a coverage linebacker, like he was fine. He wouldn't get completely obliterated by tight ends uh, and running backs in the passing game. But I don't know. I mean, that that's changed a little bit. I don't think he's been a disaster in coverage. I, I think it's more so his run defense that has really, uh, really suffered. But um, like I said, hopefully they, they don't expect Avery Williamson to be that three down linebacker that, that they had envisioned for uh, Rashawn Evans when they drafted him. Yeah. And again, like the, there's two lessons to take from this in my mind, because we saw Monty Rice and Monty Rice was not, not spectacular, but he was much better than Evans when he was on the field for those 15 snaps or whatever it was. So it, again, this is don't, don't read into this, that this is not Monty Rice being a capable player because he, he looked fine. Uh, now, do you want to throw him out there against Kansas city and Buffalo? I, I don't know about that, 
But, you know, like, it's not like they found him and attacked him in coverage or that they were just running by him. I mean, it was the first time all game that they had two linebackers who seemed to both be going to the same spot, which was nice. Um, But, yeah, like, I I think the other thing this teaches us is don't spend a first-round pick or a lot of money on linebackers. Like, it it does, you know... Pedigree doesn't it? Yeah, pedigree doesn't seem to matter as much as the system they're in. Like historically, we've seen this where if you pay for you know a CJ Mosley, maybe four years down the line when you get an elite defensive coach in Robert Sala, you get some of your money back. But I mean, he starts to live up to the expectations. Like, but I mean, you're basically you basically need four or five things to fall into place for that to be worth the investment and you can just find good linebackers on day two and day three like this is something where i can easily see Jayon brown and rashawn evans and i guess avery williamson all being gone by the end of this year and the titans being left with monty rice and david long and the only thing i would say is don't the the instant reaction is they need to draft a linebacker, but remember the track record of linebackers who've been drafted high. It, every one of them seems like the exception of the time, and every time they end up wasting your money in a draft pick. So I will yeah, ask also, this. Well, go ahead, Matthias. No, no, I was just going to say, like, this is a short-term solution. Do yeah. not expect Avery Williamson to be here for a while. Yeah, and so that's kind of what I was going to say is because I tweeted out uh, is – Rashawn Evans better, excuse me, is Avery Williamson better than Rashawn Evans? And everyone seems to say yes, which I think is a certainly fair opinion. Mike Herndon uh, responded, our friend, and said, can they cover? Avery, no. Rashawn, no. Can they run stuff? Avery, yes. Rashawn, no. Do they take dumb penalties? Avery, no. Rashawn, yes. I, I think, I don't think that's overly simplistic. I think that's a, a fair point. He is older. Um, actually, how old is Avery Williamson? He's 29. He's 29, so he's not exactly uh, spry. <sighs> are we, or are we, not we, because I don't think we are, but are fans who, because like I had fans tweeting me, it's like, Avery is a great run defender. I'm like, no, Devin White is a great run defender. Avery Williamson is a decent run defender. But Rashawn Evans is a bad run defender. So that's where the disparity comes, no? Yes, we just need Avery Williamson to not suck. That's it. Yeah, like I, I do hate that it seems like there's so like so many times where there's one player on the on the roster where we're just like, okay, all we need from you is to not suck, and they just can't do it. Uh, so I'm hoping that this is the exception. But yeah, like I, I don't know if he's necessarily better or worse or, or anything. Like I'll have to see it, or I'm gonna go back and watch. But like. Yeah, this isn't a long-term option. This is a band-aid slash role player. And if they just treat him like they would Will Compton, then cool. Like that, like it the problem is Vrabel is trying to stretch Rashawn Evans and make him something he's not. And he's at this point, it's him versus the world that he's gonna try to do it. And maybe this is finally the breaking point where he says, No, we're just gonna have guys with clear roles and there that's how we're gonna have to do this because this is not working. Let's get into this Jags game, guys. Uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time belaboring the point. Uh, Good win, right? The Titans did what they needed to do. They went in, took care of business, beat the Jags by multiple scores. Check, check, check. Good stuff. But, as I wrote after the game, 
it doesn't erase the sting of the Jets' loss. Like, that's still there. You can't pretend that that didn't happen now. And at the same time, some of the issues that plagued the Titans against the Jets plagued them against the Jags. The pass protection still a problem. The offense still looks out of sync. The defense is still giving up these huge plays in the running and passing game. Uh, and they've got a much better team coming up, as we'll get into shortly, on Monday night against the Bills. So, I guess generally, what what were your takeaways from the Jags game? What did you learn about this team? And does it give you hope or concern, or, or, or are you just sort of scratching your head? You know, I, I know technically you can't do this because every game is a separate entity, but I was watching the Jets-Falcons game in London before the 1 p.m. games, and that made me more concerned than the Jaguars game did because the Jets looked absolutely awful, and the fact that the Titans lost to that team uh, and allowed that Jets offense to just get anything they wanted uh, I think was really alarming. Uh, I, I don't think the Titans played poorly in this game at all uh, like i they got the job done they didn't wow me i i probably would have wanted them to you know completely blow them out i know they did by the end um uh, but the jags had a chance to cut this to a one score game uh in the fourth quarter uh on that fourth and one fourth and goal run uh to carlos hyde that was a hilarious uh play call in and of itself um but i don't know like if the jags score there we might be having a different conversation uh, but I know you can't do that, so uh, I'm not really going to linger too much on it. I, I think the Titans played played well. Uh, Tannehill played well. Derrick Henry just continues to to pulverize any defense um, that he comes in contact with. Uh, yeah, the defense gave up a couple big plays, but I, I, I'm impressed with their pass rush. I think that's been the biggest uh, improvement from last year to this year. Uh, and it's really, it's good to see because it was lacking for so long. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought it was a good win. It wasn't a great win, uh, but they did what they had to do. And I think these two games coming up against the bills and chiefs is going to be a real test. And I hope the times are ready for it because if they're not, they're going to get absolutely steamrolled. Yeah, what what could you possibly take away from a Jaguars game? You know, like I, I guess the worry was that the Jaguars had their backs against the wall. Urban Meyer especially needed this win more than almost anybody else in the league. Trevor Lawrence looked like he was taking steps forward when they played the Bengals, and they had a long week to prepare for a game at home. So. I guess it did have some of that. Like, are they going to get another trap game? Like, it's a division game, you know. But you know, it it was never really close. Like, they almost got it to where it was a one-score game, but that means that it was a two-score game. And ultimately, it was a three-score game but for, for most of, of the, you know, I think second quarter and for most of the game. Like, at that point, it was just, you know, they needed a lot to go right. And I don't know, like... I think it's interesting that the Titans had four different receivers who had 20-plus yard receptions in that game. Um, I think that it's good that Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons, your young stars, basically said, okay, like, you know, 
don't worry about anything else. We're going to dominate so much that it really doesn't matter if our linebackers know where to go. That was cool. Caleb Farley had a good game. Uh, Fulton looked good again now that they, I mean, uh, Vrabel had to basically be chastised publicly that it was such a dumb move to move him in the slot when Chris Jackson got hurt instead of using Elijah Molden that instantly Elijah Molden got in and caused a fumble. And then Christian Fulton was like, I think he was targeted four times and he had like two pass breakups. And it was, just, I mean, he was back to that stud that he was for the first three weeks of the season. So, I mean, all those are positive things. Like those are things in a vacuum that you can take away from that game. Derrick Henry, like, I saw somebody today talk about, I think it was the running backs coach for the Titans um, say that he thinks every play can be a a home run play. I don't, I I mean, it could with him for sure, but he doesn't run like that. Like there's a lot of times early in the game where he seems comfortable running and kind of like leaning forward and falling for four. And that's great. That works. But you know, there, there are some holes that the offensive line opens up and I'm, I'm curious to see if anybody puts out film out there or if I, you know, if nobody does, I may cut some stuff up, but there's some holes where he chooses to bounce it outside towards where the defense is flowing instead of just cutting it straight up specifically behind Levin. Like Levin had some huge holes that he opened up when Saffold came out. And I don't know if it's cause Saffold's hurt or what, but that, I mean, that there was a lot that he could have had there, like one or two pretty big runs that he left on the table. So uh, that's that's another takeaway from this game. But, you know, big macro overview stuff. The offense put up 38 po- or 31 points and the defense put up seven. And aside from Rashawn Evans, you know, forgetting that he should tackle the running back. And, you know, I, I think there were two different series where they were inside their own five yard line and got penalties that started questionable penalties that started uh, them back at first and goal again, which is, you know, absurd, almost unheard of. But, you know, I I think for the most part, they did better across the board except for Rashawn Evans. And that's what you want. You know, what worries me the most? Um, Derek Henry's touch totals. I mean, he has 156 touches through you know, five games. I'm honestly like not like everybody. Everybody talks about that, well, and I get. Well, it. you're taking the Todd Downing approach because when Todd Downing was asked by Jim Wyatt, "How do you balance the need to get him the ball and also the need to not overwork him?" Todd Downing said, "The only balance I'm concerned with is wins and losses. And when you give Derrick Henry the football, we have a better uh. chance to win." Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I would say I'm necessarily taking that. <laughs> but my my thing is like you know they have somebody who can run the ball like uh, Jeremy McNichols has been good. Like every time he's touched the ball, he's looked good, whether except, it's a run, except Jeremy McNichols has not touched the ball on third down and four or less. Did he, As, did in, he have the, like, in the run, in the run? As exact, I think he had some run, but I mean, maybe it was third and four or something. I don't know. But regardless, like, I mean, whenever he's touched the ball, he's it's worked. So there's really like, if they were to say, okay, you know, it's week 12 and we got to scale back on how much we're using Derrick Henry, they could, and I don't think the offense would change. Like, I think they would just throw the ball to McNichols more and he would get relative. I mean, and I guess this is a hot take, but I mean, I think he would get as many yards as Derrick Henry as a, I mean, he would get as many yards receiving as Henry would get rushing. If you give him that kind of volume, if that makes sense, like, I think there's several ways this offense can run without Derrick Henry getting 25 touches a game, 
But I think for Tannehill's safety, they don't drop back and pass that often because whatever the disconnect is between Nate Davis and, you know, Questenberry at times and the red, this offensive line and all the pressures and sacks they're giving up, like whatever that is needs to be fixed and it's not getting fixed soon. And if they're not going to call play action, then I think they have to run it more. The run game is like the only thing that works for them. <laughs> like Austin Stanley, my boss, put out a tweet during a game. He's like, what are the Titans good at exactly? I'm like, well, running the football. They're pretty darn good at that. So, and I guess I'll pose that question to you guys, especially offensively. What, are they, what else do they do well? Because A.J. Brown was on a pitch count, he revealed after the game. Uh, Julio Jones is, is MIA right now with an injury. Uh, and and they can't keep Tannehill upright. I mean, and I tweeted this during the game. Some people thought I was like advocating for putting Woodside in there. I don't know why anybody who's ever thinks I'm whatever. We're going to see Logan Woodside at some point if this doesn't get fixed. Not by choice because Tannehill's going to get killed. Are you asking me what they're good at other than running the ball? Yeah. Um. Every play to Michael Pruitt is good. Yeah. Very efficient. Every time he touches the ball, it's a good play. Uh, and the outcome uh, works out. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think when Tannehill has time, at least, uh, he could usually find an open receiver, uh, mo- most likely in the middle of the field. We really just haven't seen them take any deep shots. And I know they haven't been able to uh, because of the offensive line, but... I think that would just open up a whole new element to the offense that, unfortunately, we haven't been able to see. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know what exactly they're good at. I think they're good when they run play action. The problem is they don't do it as often as we had seen the previous two seasons. I mean, they, they're also, good. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, they use McNichols very well. Like pretty creatively yeah, on the back. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I think yeah. that's a great point, Matias, because all week leading up to that game, and even throughout the game, there was this weird fire Todd Downing crowd. Has Todd Downing been great? No. But A, no one really has. And B, he's certainly not fire after four games territory. He's done some nice stuff. Yeah, I mean no, that's a little that's a little crazy. I don't know. Like, well, I'm not, why, why? I'm not in. I'm not. In, I'm not in fire. Todd Downing mode. Like, that's not. That's not what I'm gonna say. But what I was gonna say earlier, when you asked what we what the Titans do well, I mean, what they do well is play action. I mean, they're still averaging ten yards an attempt on play action. Like it. It, it takes pressure off of Tannehill. Like it. I, I like. I don't understand why they don't do it more. It neutralizes the pass rush. It lets Tannehill get out in space to use his legs to run if you want him to, which he's always good at. Like, I, I just don't understand. Like they run it twenty six percent of the time this year, and they have four hundred and forty yards. And the other seventy three percent of the time, they have eight hundred yards. So basically, they're almost twice as efficient when they run play action, and. I think you've convinced everybody in the league that if Derrick Henry's on the field, you're willing to throw it or you're willing to run it. So you don't have to run it 40 times before you say, okay, now they're really going to bite when we pretend to hand it off to Derrick Henry. 
And I guess he's not doing that as much, but it just like, it's very frustrating because you could easily do more. I, I mean, it last year they were 36% and everybody says, Oh, you know, you can't throw You can't run play action that much. They led the league in it last year. It's too predictable. It, at no point was the Titans offense predictable or stoppable uh, when they had Corey Davis and AJ Brown. So it, it, by the same logic, like even if you just have AJ Brown and Johnson or Chester Rogers or just another capable receiving threat, you know Reynolds, like any of those guys, like you should still be able to be productive. Uh, I, I don't know why they don't run play action more. That's my problem. Is that I think I don't know if I want to blame it on Mike Frable here again for selling us. You know this is going to be the same offense or whatever, but it certainly seems like everybody was was spouting this is going to be the same outside zone play action offense that worked so well for us for two years because we'd be morons to change that. And then now they're morons because they've changed that. And that that's my problem. And I think that's what the collective fan base's problem with it. When we come back, we are going to talk about the Buffalo Bills and Monday night football and do the Titans stand a chance. It's an interesting question. Very curious to see what you two have to say. I'm very excited to defend my position on this, and we will get into that in just one moment. You're listening to No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. Titans versus Bills coming up on Monday Night Football this week. Very exciting. I am I'm really excited to get back to Nissan Stadium. It's been a while because they played two road games. It's going to be a fun game. Can the Titans win it, guys? Let me give my take first. These are kind of the games that Mike Vrabel's Titans have tended to win, no? Because what we're used to is they need adversity to win, right? They need someone to doubt them. They need to not be the favorites. They're not. They're they're dogs in this game. I haven't checked the line, but spoiler, they're going to be underdogs. Um but also they they play well against good teams with rare exception. I think of Green Bay on Sunday night football as a game that they got shellacked in. But when's the other time that Mike Vrabel and the Titans played the best of the best, and if they didn't win, weren't highly competitive. I, I can't think of one. Um, Week one this season. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know that going <laughs> into that, that yeah, going, I mean, going into that game, no one was looking at Arizona as the best of the best. Now they're you know, some people's Super Bowl yeah. favorite at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um. Of course they can win. Uh, They can win any game just because they have uh, enough talent and and, and they've even done it uh, in the past. I mean, they beat the they beat the Bills last year. They crushed the Bills last year. Um, And I know it was like a it was like a weird Tuesday night game. Um, But these are pretty similar teams. I would say the Titans uh, have a little more talent on defense. Maybe their offense isn't as high powered as it was last year. Uh, But the Bills overall have pretty much the same team. They've only added a couple of pieces. Uh, their defense might be a, a little improved, but 
I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely think the Titans could win this game, and I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they do because, like you said, they, they do tend to, you know, show up for these types of games, uh, especially when a lot of people are, are, are down on them um, or, or they just don't expect a lot out of them. Uh, and then they finally, you know, come to play and and show why uh, they still are a contender in the AFC. So I hope that's the case, especially with it being on Monday Night Football. I would like to not get pummeled like the Chiefs did against these same Bills uh, at home, by the way, um, on Sunday night. So uh, I'm hoping that's not the case. I don't think it will be. Uh, I think Derrick Henry's running way too hot uh, for them to just get blown out of the water but i don't know maybe i'm wrong because the bills have looked like probably the best team in the league this year yeah i mean they, they're a very good team you know it, josh allen is really fun to watch i mean nobody will say this but he reminds me a lot of cam newton like he has sort of that like if he wants to rip it cool like if he wants to run it cool you know you really you can't stop them from scoring. At least you can't right now. So all you can hope to do is turn the ball over a few times, which kind of plays perfectly into the Titans' hands because that's the defense they run. Like, the the Titans really don't seem to care if you move the ball on them. Like, as long as you settle for field goals or as long as they have a chance at maybe an interception or if they can, you know, convince themselves that they're close to a fumble – uh, you know, Mike Vrabel checks that off like that. That's a win for this team. And I think that's the kind of game you have to play. It puts a lot of pressure on the offense. We'll see where Julio Jones is this week. You know, I, I have no feeling one way or the other if he'll, you know, if he'll play or not. But the belief seems to be that A.J. Brown's going to be off a of pitch count and he'll be full go. So then theoretically you'll have uh, who's the guy who just came off of our Marcus Johnson. Is that his name? Yes. Uh, he did he some good would, things on Sunday. Yeah, he looked great. Yeah, he he looked – yeah, he was very good. Um, like I said, even without a fully healthy A.J. Brown and, you know, with Marcus Johnson playing his first game back and, you know, all that stuff, no Julio Jones. Like I said, the Titans still had four receivers with 20-plus yard catches, like not 20 yards receiving but receptions of 20 or more yards. So that's a pretty explosive offense. So, you know, maybe they – you know – it's it's hard because this is a good team. Like the Titans are a good team, they're just not being utilized correctly. So can they win? Absolutely, they can beat any team in the NFL. Like if they get the run game going, or if they're willing to run play action more often, and you get somebody like AJ Brown in space, or you get uh, Derrick Henry in space, or, you know, or even Marcus Johnson, like we're talking about, or Ferkser gets more catches. Like they've got players to score points. It's just, can you get the breaks on defense? Can you not have the big turnovers on offense? Like, those are the things that will really matter because if this is a we've got to score every possession kind of game for the Titans and they know that going in, I mean, they, yeah, they can absolutely win. If they think, okay, we'll just keep settling for field goals because it's just the Jets, then no, that like, I mean, they won't yeah. win. I think it would be dumb to speculate about whether Julio will play, one, because uh, I think Wednesday's practice will be a glaring indicator of that. But two, uh, we don't know. So let's ask this question instead. Do they need Julio to win this game? Can they win it without him? My vote is no. I think if they win, if they have Julio Jones, 
I could absolutely see them winning this game the same way they took down Seattle in week two with a strong Julio Jones performance. Without Julio Jones, I I see Derrick Henry and, and I see some of the nice stuff on defense, Harold Landry in particular, but I, I just don't buy that this clunky offense would outscore the Bills. Yeah, I think it would be really difficult because – I mean, they have Tredavious White, who is essentially a shutdown cornerback. Uh, and if you really ha- only have AJ Brown out there, um, they're—I don't know—I don't know if they're going to completely lock him down, but they could just putting White on him uh, and maybe shading over the top with Poyer or Micah Hyde. So uh, that w- that would be a concern. I, I just—I don't know. Even if Julio plays, like I don't th- think. If we get in a shootout with them, that's going to be the way to win this game. Like the defense has to play well. They have to step up uh, and they have to kind of do what they did to Josh Allen uh, last year, which was get an early interception, uh, which frustrated him. And then they were able to just kind of corral all the big plays and allow those to happen. Uh, if the defense from the first couple of weeks of the season where they were giving up big passing play after big passing play, uh, shows up here, I mean, f- forget about it. Because, I mean, the Bills, I don't know if you guys saw the Sunday night game, but they were just killing the Chiefs down the field uh, with Stephen Diggs, even Dawson Knox, the tight end, was getting uh, in there. And then you add to that Josh Allen on the ground, who is just really tough to stop because he's so big uh, and, and he's so agile. It's tough, man. Like, the defense really needs to step up. They're going to need a really sound game plan from Shane Bone and Mike Rabel. Seems like it's asking for a lot, but um, I mean, we'll see what they come up with. Uh, I, I think they, I don't know. I actually don't know if I would prefer that they try to blitz Josh Allen in this game. I don't know if that's really the best course of action. I think the back, the, the defensive backfield just, just has to play well. Yeah, and also we should note that the Chiefs have maybe the worst defense in the NFL. Awful, awful. Yeah, I worse mean, like, than the they, Titans, believe it yeah. or not. It, I mean, they're worse than the Titans last year. They, they're averaging, I think it's set over seven yards per play allowed. I mean, that's absurd. I mean, that, I mean, that's it's crazy to think like that they're. I mean, that's just so like that's so bad. So yeah, like. I think everybody rem- is going to remember that game where th- they pick six uh, Mahomes, and you know, it, because of the teams involved. And I think the the Bills are very good, and there is absolutely a chance that they could come out and just beat the Titans down. But I will also say, people seem to have a misconception that the Chiefs' defense is anything other than what it was. So. I, I t- take that with whatever grain of salt you want. Also, I, I should say this too: the Titans technically have more explosive plays on offense than the Bills this year, which is like the rush ten or more yards and receptions of twenty or more yards. Like the Titans are actually pretty good in that stat; they're tied for fourth in the NFL with the Bucks. So, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll see. It, it more than anything, like I said, though, it just. Just don't lose the turnover battle by a wide margin, which they seem to do frequently in the first four games. I don't think yeah, they did on um, they didn't on Sunday. Uh, they, they no, won they it did not handily. Three zero, no two. 
Yeah, two zero. They didn't. Yeah, they didn't have one on offense. Kevin Byard had a forced fumble and a pick. He had a recovery. Or no, yeah, he didn't force the Molden fumble. Elijah Molden forced the fumble. Yeah, thank you. Another yeah. rookie that you tried to bury. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're just like thank, thank you, Vrabel. <laughs> um, so as we talk about this offense, and I, I brought up the pass protection earlier. I mean, Will, you're our resident offensive line expert. Why is this happening? Because the the most telling stat to me with this Titans team is that in 2020, Ryan Tannehill was sacked 25 times, and through five games of a 17-game season in 2021, that total is 20. Yeah, I mean... It's it's not a super hard thing. Like it's it's the same thing that it was that it has been all year. Like when you don't run play or we, yeah when you don't run play action, you take the but, defense from going left to right and you let them go straight ahead. Now this is an offense that I think remember who they had on on the offensive line last year. They had Questenberry or Sembrillo, uh, and then they had Dennis Kelly at right tackle. Like guys who worked. But who are not out? Who are not going to go to another team and start because they're just not that good. So you have to remember. Okay, what is the differentiating factor? It's like, well, they run ran more play action than anybody else in the NFL. Well, what does that change? Well, instead of okay, we're going to run three wide and a single back in the backfield and a tight end split off, and you're going to know it's pass, and you're just going to pin your ears back and come at us. Instead of that. You have, you know, two tight ends to one side. You run outside zone, and sometimes you run it on third and four, and other times you pass it. Like that. Like the problem is, but I I agree with you that they have not run play action enough, and I'm tired of hearing the excuse of being behind the chains because you know it's a great way to not get behind the chains. Do it on first down, okay? So I got that out of the way. But at at, at a certain point, like. These massive breakdowns, and and I remember the last time the Titans were bad at pass protection, they were bad at, at, at getting stunts. Now it's blitzes. They can't pick up a blitzer for to save their life. I mean, there was one play where Taylor Lewan was basically having to block two people because Derrick Henry was nowhere to be seen in pass protection. Yeah, and I mean, last year they gave up six sacks in, on play action and 19 on non-play action. So they were basically like, and and when you adjust that for how often they ran it, that they were basically like twice as probably like a hundred and eighty percent as likely to get a sack on a non-play action play than a play action play. So, I mean, is that is that the main reason? No, there's some miscommunication. Like there's sometimes when guys cannot get off their coverage, like the wide receivers just can't seem to get open and get explosive. And some of that's because you don't have A.J. Brown for two games and you don't have, or you don't have A.J. Brown for the game. You allow 50 sacks to the Jets and you don't have Julio, you know, you don't have the guys who you're expecting to have out there. Some of it's on that. Some of it is, uh, you know, you get the plays like Chandler Jones when he just like, he had Taylor one's number early. And then once you give up two sacks to a guy early, like good luck slowing him down. Like all of a sudden uh, on Sunday when Harold Landry had his two sacks, like he was destroying Trevor Lawrence on read option plays. Like he was making plays from the backside that he shouldn't have been close to. Like he had, uh, he forced him out of bounds one time. He had another tackle. He was the guy who tackled him to make it fourth and short uh, instead of uh, a touchdown when they reversed that call. Like 
once you get an edge who just decide like who has a big game early and decides that they're unstoppable and you prove it to them, then you can't stop them. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of different things, but the easiest way to start fixing it is to run more play action. I mean, otherwise, like you, you've also got Nate Davis, who's having the worst year of his career, and he really does look like. I mean, he looks confused and lost, and I don't know if this is Which Rashawn is, Evans uh, well, all over. Sh- well, he shouldn't be because he's. It's not a new system. It's the same coach, and all these stupid well, people wanting to play revisionist history. Fire Keith Carter. Shut up. Keith Carter is a miracle no. worker. No, it's not Keith Carter's fault. It's again, it it is a new system. It is a system that does not play to his strengths at all. <laughs> he is a good run blocker. Yeah. Well, I mean, because that's true. Like, I mean, he is a big, like, I mean, he came from Charlotte because he is big and he is strong and he yeah. can maul people. Like, that's that's what he and Saffold do at a very high level. It's what Ben Jones does at a high level. Like, that's why they're so good is because if you're having a key off of them and read and react to what they're doing and you can't be the one delivering the blow, good luck. And, you know, that that's the way it generally is. But when you ask him to just, you know, waddle back and get out of that turtle stance that he used to have or whatever he used to call it, like when you that's not a guy who's learned how to pass pro. That's a guy who just does it until his next rundown. Like it, yeah. he's not a natural pass protector. Like so you take away the one thing that makes everything else work for him. And then now all of a sudden you have somebody giving up plays. Questenberry gives up three sacks in a game. You know, it's all these different guys having bad games while also not accentuating the strengths of the other guys. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. And that's why I'm like, maybe Todd, fire Todd Downing. It won't be crazy by the end of the year if he doesn't change what he's doing now. How much are we going to see Christian Fulton and Stefan Diggs go at it? Uh, probably get him out. I would assume. I don't know if they're going to stick him on him exclusively. Um, I don't know. Uh, this, they have this, a lot of. This, I mean, receivers. this is the first sort of big money receiver the Titans have faced since week one. I guess they did face Metcalf, but and but Fulton was on him a lot and sort of took care of him. Yeah, cooked him. Right. I mean, like he had more yards and penalties against Fulton than he did receiving. Yeah, Diggs is a, a well different type of receiver, obviously. Um, the thing about the Bills this year is they've really been spreading the ball around, um, especially with Manny Sanders coming in. They have kind of featured him uh, because Diggs has taken a lot of defensive attention uh, towards his his way. Um, so I don't know. Josh Allen just hasn't been locking on to Diggs like he did last year. Uh, and it poses problems for defenses because they have Diggs, they have Manny Sanders, they have Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, and now Dawson Knox, their tight end, uh, is in a, l- a little bit of a breakout campaign. He's been one of the better tight ends in the league. So yeah. the good news is the Titans have been very good against tight ends. Like, no tight end has done anything against them. Granted, they haven't played against amazing tight ends. I think Dan Arnold is probably <laughs> one of the better ones that they've played. He he got a couple things done, but he also did lose a fumble. Um, so... We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how the Titans defense plays it. Yeah, Max Williams is pretty good too. The guy who like blew out his yeah. knee for Arizona this past week. He he was he having didn't a do good anything. season. No, he didn't do anything. So yeah, I like I would imagine that Christian Fulton on Stephon Diggs would make the most st- sense stylistically. Um 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I would be interested to see if they consider playing Caleb Farley at all. Like, I don't think they will because, ah, you know, LOL. we talked about this already. Well, I, the only reason I say it is because they were accidentally forced into playing him last week when Fulton got hurt oh, and he holding was Holding that wiped out a third down stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, if, you're not, not, if you don't know, that's what, that's what Vrabel said when Paul Kaharski asked him how Caleb Farley played. Yeah, which was in stark contrast to his... Well, who who really knows whose responsibility it was to tackle that guy right in front of Rashawn Evans? We all you know, can get it's, better. It's I mean, I, I yeah. don't know about you. I stood up and clapped when he said that. I was like, "Yeah, it is it is good to see him not really blame any of his players." Except uh, he did blame Jeffrey Simmons for uh, knocking Trevor Lawrence out of bounds, even though he was in yeah. bounds, and he did he did blame Caleb Farley, even though you know he was pretty good outside of one questionable call. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I think Rashawn's biggest strength is that he didn't get a penalty in that game. And if you're Mike Vrabel, that endears you more than anything you actually do on film. Like, that's his whole thing. I'm not, I'm not getting into this anymore. But <laughs> if they were to, for some reason, go back and watch what the, they did last week and they would notice how Farley is, you know, long and athletic and could deal with that, I would really put him on Stefan Diggs and I would put christian fulton on somebody else like whoever the other receiver is because i think i think stefan diggs is the biggest threat to really take a like for the most air yards i guess is the best way to say it like i could see him on more 20 yard routes than anybody else on the field and with that i think farley's perfect for that i think he's got recovery speed i think he's got length to get in there and bat passes away like I think you don't necessarily want him on like the jitterbug kind of routes right at the line of scrimmage. But other than that, like I think that would be fine. And then you could trust Fulton for that because Fulton can kind of do everything well. But uh, the fact is we're going to see Jenkins on, I don't know, whoever their fastest player is. And Mike Rabel will just scratch his head and be confused as to why that's not working. Yeah, Jenkins, man. that's I'd put Farley out there. And, and I, I wrote that on Friday. They need to they need to before they got Williamson, I was advocating for a Monty Rice substitution for Evans while Jayon Brown is absent. And they gotta get Farley a chance, man. If it's bad, it's bad and you you put Jenkins back out there, but Well, I mean the problem is like they're they're using Jenkins wrong as a protest to why they shouldn't play Caleb Farley. Now <laughs> Caleb Farley has been hurt, I should we should say. Like he, he was hurt for weeks two through four and he was it was his first week back with full practice and he played and he played you know he was fine so i mean we'll see if that progresses into anything like Vrabel technically hasn't done anything too stupid yet but if they keep i mean again i i don't want this to be pile on Vrabel after a win because that feels weird but look how easy it was to just not use elijah molden on the fastest guy on the field and use him on like tight ends who are split out or like slower receivers instead of just obviously putting yourself behind the eight ball. Like as soon as they seem to be able to self scout, they do okay. But it's like, they've got to get beaten by something four or five times before they realize, Hey, maybe that's not going to work. So do we think the, we think Jenkins just shouldn't play right. So Farley Fulton and Chris Jackson should, should be a top three. Farley I mean, Fulton I Molden, I would say. Yeah. Oh, Molden. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I would have forgot about out there <laughs> if you were dealing with more of tight ends and then Chris Jackson out yes. there if you were dealing with like faster guys because I think that's their skill set. Yeah. But yeah, also, I like, the, I think I, I think there's a place for Jenkins. Like, I think you can put Jenkins on like 
I think if I mean does, if they would actually use him as a press corner, yeah, sure, yeah, that 100%. would be great. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like that's how you got to use him. Is like you've got to let him be physical and like win there instead of letting guys build up five yards of steam and then expecting him to keep up with twenty four year olds. Time for stop the nonsense, guys. We will get to that in just one second. You're listening to No Nonsense Tennessee Titans podcast. All right, guys, who wants to start us this week for Stop the Nonsense? Uh, I, I can go first. Um, I have been struggling with technology lately, and one of the biggest issues is this two, two-step two verification that seems to be happening on every single platform. Um, and, and Microsoft is, is, the, is the biggest issue right now. They are, they are my arch nemesis because... I like can't get into stuff anymore. I bet you, as you guys know, last week on the pod, I was trying to get into my Skype uh, account. That took me about 30 minutes and it just keeps asking me for passwords. I don't remember my passwords. Uh, And then it asked me for verification, go to the authenticator app. Then I go to the authenticator app, but guess what? I'm not signed into my account on the authenticator app. So how am I supposed to, authenticate myself if I can't get into the app that is supposed to verify that it's me and it's driving me nuts. I misheard which app. Is this Facebook? No, this is Microsoft. Microsoft Authenticator app. Technically, it's like (laughs) the second step of verification, um, but I can't get into my account on that app and there's no other way to get into it. That's happened to me before. On betting sites, like like I try, I, I remember during the draft, there were all these like you know one dollar risk free whatever thing. I'm like, oh, what what the heck? Let's let's try it out. And it was always like, sorry, you're not a real person. There's no record of a Luke Stephen Worsham. I'm like, what? Just gave up your middle yeah. name, by the way. It's like I was waiting to see if you're going to give out like your security uh, or uh, your social security <laughs> number. You're like, I'm like, my social security number is this. It's How about this? Me. Over the next, uh, over the next ten weeks, each episode, I will give you one number of my social security number, so that at the <laughs> at the end of ten weeks, you have all ten. But you then still have to get the order right, which I believe would be either ten to the tenth power, yeah, ten to the tenth power, to uh, or ten to the yeah, ten to the tenth power, which is like a lot of zeros. To that's how many possibilities there be. All right, let's end this conversation. Will, what do you got? <laughs> no, no, no. I like this math conversation. <laughs> this is fun. Uh, okay, so my stop the nonsense is lost in, in all the the Raiders Gruden stuff uh, before the Monday Night Football game. The Ravens and Colts, you know, played and it was awesome because the Colts lost in the funniest way possible. Uh, but before the game, they had this like I don't know if you call it a trailer or like a sizzle reel or whatever, but they had something before the game to get everybody pumped up. And it was Ravens fans and Colts fans like kind of going down a dark alley. And it was like, OK, it was going to be this big fight. And then this guy comes out in a Ravens like in Ravens gear. And he says, wait, 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 you know, we're all actually part of the same team. And I was like, go on. And he was like, he talked, he went and talked about, it's like, you know, in the middle of the night, 
the Colts left Baltimore and they became Indianapolis and we became the Baltimore uh, Baltimore Ravens when we got our and basically was like, you know what? We didn't just steal your franchise away from you because Indianapolis 100% stole their franchise away from Baltimore where it was and they left in the middle of the night to abandon them. Like Baltimore fans should hate the Colts more than anything, more than any other rivalry. And to see Monday Night Football not play up to that, but to say, hey, you know, we're all actually just kind of cousins here is the the worst <laughs> I, thing. I, I hate could, like, that so much. It, it is the proverbial wet blanket on any animosity you could have. It was the worst thing I have ever seen before a game. And it was so aggravating. I wish I could have seen Mike Vrabel's reaction to that. Like that's that's the type of thing that I feel like he would abhor as we do. Yeah, I mean, like any anybody who like, or, likes, or yeah, any football guy. Yeah, like anybody who's not like <laughs> turn football into flag football. Like it's like anybody who does it. Like that's the whole game is passion and physicality and all that. And to to just pour water on it was the worst. Um. All right. So. For my stop the nonsense, uh, I'm gonna go to the our, our our Twitter submissions. We always get a lot of good submissions from you guys uh, for the stop the nonsense segment. We we always love reading them, and so I'm gonna give a shout to one of those today. Our friend King Feeds Hayden Feedler, I believe that's how you pronounce it, uh, sent us a John Glennon tweet uh, where John is laying out the top five ranked players on offense for the Titans by pro football focus uh, in the game on Sunday against the Jaguars. At number one, David Lee Quesenberry with an 89.8 grade. Now, pro football focus has made many, many appearances in, in this segment of our show. And by the way, our 200th episode is is incoming in the next month or so. And, or and or a couple of months, and and so we will uh, we'll have some a spectacular stop the nonsense segment in that episode, but many many appearances over the course of these episodes by PFF. It is to the point where they've made so many appearances in this segment, and I have seen so many bad dumb grades like the one Hayden sent us, and Quesenberry's been graded well for them like all season. Like I I don't want to hear about them again. Like it's to the point where if you are a journalist or, or even a, a blogger or someone that's just for fun writing about a team and you cite pro football focus, I don't care. I do not care what they have to say. Because they have over and over again, for me, I know you two, Willa Matthias, and most of our listeners, because we have a lot of Titans fans that listen to this podcast, ruin their credibility. Yeah, uh, I still check them sometimes just to confirm my priors um, and my takes. Um, the only thing they definitely do know is that Rashawn Evans is bad. He has a 29.2 PFF grade, so we could use it for those. <laughs> well, so I'll ask this because we've had this conversation before. Are there some positions that they're better with than others? Because I think the corner stuff even before the Fulton nonsense where they gave him like 50 or whatever, before that, the corner stuff was always bad. Like, I remember Teron Davenport going off about, like, you know, 
If Malcolm Butler gives up a three-yard completion on third and six, did he do his job? Answer, yes. But pro football focus is like, nah, he gave up a catch. That's a bad play. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is that they're good at the players and the plays that they watch, which is not a lot. Like, <laughs> they like they they click on them because the one thing it should be used for is data. Like, not it's not about evaluating play, whether it's good or bad. It's the things that you can't dispute, like how many, like how many plays in a game somebody lined up in the slot, how many plays a game they lined up in the the A gap instead of the B gap, uh, how many play action passes you run, how like what's the completion percentage in different zones. Those are indisputable things that they can't get wrong. Like all they have to do is transcribe what's happening, and that's something that since they have so many people, they can do very well. That's great. That's the one thing PFF should be used for. But when people are like, actually, Questenberry is the ninth best tackle in the NFL, you know, and you guys are wrong. Like, he's actually really, really good. It's like, no, you don't understand. Like, they don't weigh, like, it's, they add pass blocking and run blocking together for one grade. So, like, he's just, like, really good at run blocking according to their scale, and he's really bad at pass block. Like, it's, it's, it's a flawed system that we've talked about before. It doesn't really work, but there is some use to it. It's just people use it incorrectly. It's like if you're using a gun as a hammer. It's like there's a perfectly good use for this thing, but it's not the way you're using it. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Yeah, and with oh, the, go ahead. No, just with the corner stuff, like there's no way that they know exactly what every defensive back's assignment is on every play. So, like, I remember they charted uh, Fulton as giving up one of those big plays against Seattle. But, like, how do they know? How do they know that was his responsibility? You know, like, that that's one of the things that, that really bothers me. Can you hear my roommate screaming? No, but okay. I have a dog Not barking. Really. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, that is going to do it for us this week. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We had a great time, as we always do. Titans-Bills coming up on Monday Night Football. Enjoy the game. Will, I will see you there, right? Correct, I will be there. Matthias, when are you returning to the great state of Tennessee? I have no idea, man. Schedule's looking looking dicey, but um, maybe the end of the year. Or maybe we make the playoffs and I go to a playoff game. That'd be cool. All right, everyone. Uh, We'll see you next time, and I will remind you, as I always do, uh, to stop the nonsense. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.